Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your endless searching, have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. Welcome to this episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy, and in this episode, we are going to explore an interesting topic. We'll be answering the question, what role does trauma play in highly sensitive people? To help answer this question, I've invited my friend, Dr. Natasha Falahi, a chiropractic functional medicine physician who specializes in mind-body medicine and treating the whole patient. She calls herself the sensitive doctor, and she has learned to turn being a highly sensitive person into her superpower. Many people identify with being an empath, a highly sensitive person, or a person who just seems to feel a lot. Whether for you or your work, it is crucial to know what is going on inside the body, your nervous system, and what you will learn here, mm, it's connection to stored trauma. This episode has five sections. Section one, we're going to look at what can a highly sensitive person look like. Two, trauma is overwhelm. Three, the different categories of overwhelm. Four, how overwhelm can lead to autoimmunity and chronic health conditions. And five, how to build your capacity as a highly sensitive person. Let's turn this into a superpower for you as well. Let's jump into this interview with Dr. Natasha. Tell us your story though. Like how, how did you ever come to this realization? Like I'm a sensitive person. I'm a sensitive doctor. And that's, (laughs) that's also the people that I try to help. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that came, you know, like probably over a decade into me doing this work, but it was something that just clicked when I realized it, because it was like, if I thought about the threads of my experiences through my life and through my health journey, there was always this underlying factor of me just feeling really sensitive to everything, whether that was sense food sensitivities or environmental um, sensitivities like perfumes or pollution, but also like feeling more emotionally connected to things or having these heightened like you know, mental, emotional experiences. So it was not only these experiences I'd have in my body where I was sensitive to touch or like lights and sounds more than the people around me, but I just noticed that I had kind of all these sensitivities across the board. And um, through my healing journey myself in kind of just feeling weak and sick and chronic fatigued all the time to discovering that there was underlying autoimmune conditions to turning that all around through mind, body medicine and functional medicine. Um, I, you know, I, I really had to reframe the way I thought about myself and the way Mm -hmm. that others talked about me, because that sensitivity was always something that was sort of used as a put down or an insult and something to be embarrassed about something to hide, something to work at getting better at. Yeah. Like it was, Mm -hmm. you know, it was embarrassing that I would eat certain foods and then get like IBS like symptoms, or I'd have to like always be worried about where's the bathroom or, you know, if I was emotionally responsive to something, you know, being dismissed by people around me by like, Oh, don't be too sensitive about that. So, mm-hmm. um, it really became this kind of limiting belief that I had about myself, um, and these negative ideas that I realized played into the disease processes that were going on for me. So in mm-hmm. my healing, it was really necessary for me to 
understand the way that I perceive the world and, you know, take things in, but also how to honor that sensitivity in myself and not it, that it's not a fault and it's not a weakness. It's actually a superpower of mine, but in a lot of scenarios or the world that we live in, honestly, doesn't really, um, you know, isn't really built for sensitive people. So you have to learn how to create those experiences and environments to keep yourself at your best. I can remember clearly distinct moments in my childhood where I was having a very emotional reaction to something that I'm looking around being like, why am I the only one crying? (laughs) Right? Like from early on, I could tell that I was more sensitive, that I felt things more than other people. And what I, what I realize now after all of my study with attachment and trauma and stuff is that it was also those tendencies to feel things more that I felt the lack of things more. Being a highly sensitive person can express in a variety of different ways. Dr. Natasha found that she had food sensitivities that were different than other people around her. She found emotional sensitivities. I too found that growing up, I had an extra emotional sensitivity than what seemed to be the experience of other people around me. Many people have elements of being a highly sensitive person or of being an empath, and it can show up in a variety of different ways. Especially those of us who are in a healing profession, we often are people who are highly empathic or sensitive as we are more drawn to help others. With highly sensitive people and empaths, ah, I don't find the label too helpful. It's just a matter of my system is sensitive. My system has different sensitivities. I don't like attaching that label of I'm a highly sensitive person. Personally, I find that once I attach a label to myself, it's almost like my system wants to be like, well, see, there you go. That's, that's just who we are and who we will always be. And it, it gets stuck in the sensitivities. So for me, the labels are not as helpful. Now it's a good starting place to understand that, ah, I've got some sensitivities and guess what? I can do the work to build my capacity, like what we're going to talk about later in this episode. I see that it's usually so much bigger than the label itself. And so with understanding sensitivities, being able to see that those are reasons for overwhelm, that's just it. I get to focus on understanding the overwhelm. You can call me an empath, but something is happening to the system. Something is overwhelming the system. Sensitivities are just reasons for the overwhelm. So let's jump into section two on trauma is overwhelm and understanding overwhelm on a deeper level so we can understand our sensitivities on a deeper level. A lot of it started in childhood and, you know, it adds up and It was actually through a lot of my chiropractic philosophy and training that I was able to shift this idea of how I was storing these stresses and these traumas in my body. Because again, I was going into it feeling like I was broken, that there was something wrong with me, or I was carrying all these problems that I needed to fix. But it was through my chiropractic training and also as a patient receiving that type of care that it came from a very vitalistic, innate intelligence um, sort of philosophy of our bodies are always doing the best they can to adapt and to, you know, help us in those situations. We're not broken. We're just adapting. So that Mm -hmm. when I started thinking about, 
you know, adverse childhood experiences or even just stresses as my life continued, I really started to reframe the way I thought about stress and trauma in my body, which was essential for me to process and heal it. So Mm. in that perspective, um, you know, I like to really re reframe the idea of trauma as something terrible that yep. happened to us because that's disempowering and it creates a mentality of victimhood. Victim. Mm-hmm. So instead really removing the idea of like good or bad, right or wrong um, from experiences mm-hmm. and starting to see any experience that we have, um, whether it's like a physical trauma, like we fell off a horse or we were in a car accident um, or you know, chemical traumas where, you know, there was maybe an exposure to a large chemical thing that changed our system or emotional traumas, these sort of things. And I started to look at them and think of them as just information, right? Something that had an impact on us. So when we experience a trauma, the reason it becomes a trauma is essentially that it's just an overwhelm of information Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because people can go through difficult circumstances And as long as they have tools to adapt to it or ways to understand meaning underneath it, it doesn't necessarily last as a trauma in their mind or body. Um, But when we have like a barrage of information, like you were saying, as a child looking around being like, why isn't anyone else, you know, upset about this or, you know, scared or, uh, you know, any having any sort of reaction around it. It's because for you and I, as highly sensitive people, we were picking up on way more information. A lot more information. Overwhelmed much more easily. So, that idea of how empaths and highly sensitive people are correlated and linked to, you know, chronic illness and all that really does come from that place of trauma being an overwhelm. Because Mm -hmm. when you're empathic, you're feeling other people's feelings or you're, you're picking up on stuff that maybe somebody who, is a little more happy-go-lucky or even, you know, you could say thick skulled might not notice those things. So what that ends up being is just way more information for as a child, for a teenager, for an adult, it's just more information. And when we don't have the opportunity to process that information in the moment, or we don't know exactly how to file that in our understanding of the world, we literally just package it up and carry it around with us. Like, as excess baggage. So it's emotional baggage, it's physical baggage on our body. And so I really like to think of anything that's overwhelming as a traumatic experience for a person. So not just these objective big T traumas, but also, you know, I use an example. I'm, you know, I'm an adult. I, I enjoy going out and socializing despite being an introvert, but I went to a really crowded concert of an artist that I love with my husband and the experience was slightly traumatic. It was a lot of flashing lights. It was crowds of people, but it wasn't what we would call a big T trauma. It was more this subjective overwhelm for me, but because I was able to sense those indicators of like my system is getting overwhelmed, what can I do to discharge this or take a break? In that moment, I started having tools to process it, but that's sort of how I also look at those early childhood experiences with people. Exactly. And sometimes they are stored in our body tissue. We're just mm-hmm. carrying them around and we haven't really had a chance to unpack them and make meaning out of them. So that's where, you know, things like the body work can really start to release yep. these feelings for people. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to like relive it through talking about it or, um, you know, really just going 
step-by-step through everything that happened. And that's the beauty of the body work is that you actually don't need the story. You don't need to work with the story. You don't even need to remember the story because all of what needs to be shifted is right there in the nervous system. And when, when we're working with someone, whatever it is that is ready to be released, like it's right there on the surface. We don't have to go digging for it. It's not hard to find. And that way we're really able to follow the timeline of the body and what it feels capable of, because even in the healing process, we can overwhelm the system, right? We can try to be pushing it faster than what it can process. And we've put ourselves right back into that overwhelm that caused the the problem in the first place. So I, I love how you describe trauma as overwhelm. And that's exactly the, the shift in the nervous system, it puts us into that chronic functional free state. It's no longer yeah. just a stress, right? Dr. Natasha, yeah. it's, it's not just sympathetic anymore with high cortisol and, you know, oh yeah, I need to manage my stress better. No, like we're beyond that. We are in overwhelm and your body has gone into a place of shutdown and freeze that it doesn't come back to what we call homeostasis after that. Right. Right. In a stress, it will come back to homeostasis and it'll be like, wow, that was stressful and let's recover and get back to a place where we're feeling good and we're healthy. But when we've reached that point of overwhelm, the body is not able to bounce back to that place of the level of health and wholeness that it had before that overwhelm. So many people get misdiagnosed with stress and told to do stress management but they need tools for the trauma response, not for stress. Trauma. What's the definition of trauma? Anything that for any reason at that time overwhelmed us. There's that word overwhelm. In the next section, we're going to learn the different systems of the body, the categories of overwhelm. But first let's look at the three states of the nervous system, because there is one state that is the overwhelm state. And that is the trauma response. So there are three states of the nervous system. I teach a whole masterclass on this. There is the parasympathetic state where we are calm and alive. This is the social engagement, rest and digest state. This is when we are grounded. We are are truly our best selves. We are physically our healthiest, mentally and emotionally our most stable and strong. This is where we definitely want to be. And then there is this high energy state. It's the stress state or the sympathetic state. And it can be identified by your heart rate going fast, your breath becoming fast. You feel anxious. The sympathetic state is one of movement and action because you are so high energy and you're so in movement. You're engaged in taking action for the problems in your life. You can even become hypervigilant, super focused on the problem because your system is telling you there's danger, there's danger. That's what we call the fight or flight response because we are actively fighting for our survival. There's movement, there's action being taken for the problems in your life. However, we ready for the overwhelm now? Then when a perceived threat doesn't even have to be real, (laughs) when a perceived threat has become too much too fast, or it's just been too long, we go into, our body goes into this third state of the nervous system called the freeze response or the dorsal vagal response. It's a collapse it's overwhelm and our body shuts down. This is now the trauma response. Your body has just gone into a trauma response and it can become a chronic state in which your body lives so that your body is living from a place of trauma. 
And this is where our body literally says, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to be okay and shuts down. You can see the connection now between being sensitive and the vulnerability to experiencing more overwhelm and thus the body being in a trauma response. There is just more information, more input to overwhelm. This is why stored trauma can cause someone to be more sensitive as well because their body is already in overwhelm. Any more information, lights, sounds, foods, chemicals, it's just too much, too fast. We are already in overwhelm and it just shuts us down more. Now, there are different categories of overwhelm. So let's go into this next section and look at the different categories of overwhelm that our body can have. It's really interesting to look at how people might have sensitivity in different realms of their experience as well. And, you know, I talk about it in like these different categories often. So for example, you can be sensitive mentally, emotionally, physically, chemically, energetically, or even socially. So when we look at that, there is biology under all of that explaining how that happens. Like if somebody is you know, really mentally sensitive. This is the person that I would describe as like being really good at um, pattern recognition or when there's like a disruption in something that happens regularly. So a child or a person who's like, oh, we're eating at a different time today, or my toys are lined up differently. Um, And those all speak to different areas of our brain and our nervous system that actually picks up on air addiction and pattern recognition. So somebody could be highly attuned in that area but not necessarily sensitive in other parts of their body, like physically or socially. Um, And then emotionally, you know, we talk a lot about that too, like people who might have ramped up um, anxiety or they can really sense feelings and emotions. They have like deeper experiences in their um, insular cortex or their amygdala. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, those are different areas and somebody might have both of those sensitivities or not. Um, And we've talked about physical sensitivities where somebody might be, sensitive to tactile things like kids who I remember as a kid, certain textures of clothes, I was like, Oh, get that off of me. And it's just because our body, our receptors on our skin and in our nervous system sense things differently. We might be stimulated and picking up a lot more of information from a rough texture. Mm -hmm. Or we talked about, you know, sensitivity, light and sound. Um, Those are actually a a hyperactive mesencephalon and people who have inflammation in their nervous system that can happen, um, or chronic pain. We've talked about that too, that physical sensitivity. Um, a really interesting one that I see a lot is chemical sensitivity where people don't make much of it. They, they just go, Oh, I can't deal with air fresheners or, and I'm one of these people when the car windows down and an old car drives by and the exhaust comes in, I just get an immediate headache. And it's like, those things actually speak to, how well is your liver biotransforming toxins? Um, because we're all meant to kind of be exposed to these things, transform them and excrete them. But if I'm having like excess load on those organs or barrier systems, like we know, like you were talking about the gut, the gut barrier system, these leaky gut intestinal permeability, but lung, um, leaky lung, leaky brain, mm-hmm. leaky skin, these are all lead to chemical sensitivities in people where they might react to cheap jewelry, or they might react to a lotion or things like that. So, you know, there's this aspect of people being, you know, energetically sensed or socially, like they're aware of like when etiquette is like breached or things like that more so than other people. So these different categories of sensitivity 
you know, I identify with a lot of them, maybe all of them, um, <laughs> but some people might just identify with like the chemical sensitivity mm-hmm. and not necessarily feel overwhelmed emotionally all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to look at how those people experience that sensitivity in their body. And like you said, the biology that underlies why there's imbalances in their nervous system, in their immune system, in their gut, um, any of these things that could be creating that heightened experience for them. Exactly. And that sensitivity then just puts that nervous system all the more closer into that range of stress and sympathetic Mm -hmm. or all the way into the overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And so when we're dealing with chronic overwhelm, chronic burnout, those are the people who tend to be more sensitive in one of these categories, right? Yeah. And the the nervous system, when it experiences overwhelm, once it goes into overwhelm and that you know dorsal vagal response with the chronic freeze, then it's it doesn't matter whether it was because of the chemical sensitivity or because of the emotional sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Overwhelm is the same state of your nervous system, no matter what the trigger into that state. Yeah. And so it's the same biology that plays out. And so when we're working with someone, like you say, we really do need to work on both the biology piece and the inflammation that they have in their body. Where is that inflammation coming from? Is it their detoxification system that's either because of genetics or another reason it's compromised? And so they've got more toxicity in their system. That's mm-hmm. an irritant to the nervous system. That's yeah. going to be a clear danger signal to the nervous system on an internal basis. So you're, you're already creating that heightened, you know, alert for there's possible threat just because your detoxification system isn't as well. And then you add like a a head injury or a motor vehicle accident or, you know, some other chemical sensitivity. And all of a sudden you've put your, your nervous system right back into overwhelm and try dealing with any emotional stress when physically like your nervous system is already on overload from from the the input of the sensory environment yeah. or even the internal environment what can happen when our nervous system is already in overwhelm we already have a biology of trauma what can happen with our health ah it not only increases our levels of emotional sensitivity but it actually increases our risk for certain diseases that are associated with overwhelm. So when it comes to our biology, it is important to be aware of the connection between sensitivity and health conditions, our physical health. And in this next section, we're going to jump into how overwhelm can lead to autoimmunity and chronic health conditions. Through my whole process, it was like, that was my story. And then the people that I was working with, um, you know, I ended up being referred a lot of patients that were Hashimoto's or autoimmune, celiac, um, MS, like, you know, just the whole family of autoimmune disorders, because I had such a special interest and specialty in working with that naturally and with the body work and with functional medicine that I got a lot of referrals there. But then I also started getting a lot of patients who also identified as being sensitive, being empaths, being introverts, um, you know, any of these kinds of words. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I realized that, wait a minute, first of all, a lot of those people who are really sensitive also have kind of a chronic illness underlying that, exactly, or they might have an autoimmune process that they're not familiar with. So I was able to catch things a lot sooner for people than, you know, my story where 
I went on for years kind of suffering through those sensitivities, Mm -hmm. those environmental sensitivities before I actually discovered my own autoimmune reactivity. So it was like, I was able to catch it much faster for people. And in that process of realizing that these people were more sensitive, the body work that I did with them was maybe more subtle or involved energy work, or, you know, I was able to really feel and sense people's thresholds. So yes, I realized that that was kind of the the crux of all of my work. It was, it wasn't just autoimmune conditions or chronic disease or, you know, trauma or those things, but it, it was just that the people that I could really serve the best were people who experienced the world, maybe a little bit more sensitive, mm-hmm. sensitively than yep. others. So and uh, there, there is absolutely so much in what you just shared. <laughs> so let's, let's unpack this a little bit, Dr. Natasha, because for so many people, they are developing health symptoms and it, it is very common that it takes years to develop. Right. And we know that this is a biology of trauma that starts to play out usually from early childhood. And then at first, there's just a little bit of an imbalance or it's a little bit off, but with more time, it gets worse and worse and deeper and deeper into the health condition or symptoms. And it sounds like for you and me, we had to learn the hard way, right? And wait until things got really bad to, to then figure it out. But now, now we can see that. We can see those patterns earlier on in other people and be able to help shift that earlier than what, than what we were able to for our own health journey. But going back to early childhood, these are the types of things, the consequences in a person's biology that really comes out of early childhood stuff. And we know that not only from the adverse childhood experiences study, right, where they've clearly showed an association between really bad, really stressful childhood events and autoimmunity and obesity and cardiovascular disease and so many of these chronic health conditions. And yet when you look at even beyond that, just having a family dynamic that was stressful for you, for more sensitive people, there is a bigger need for things like touch and containment in order for our nervous system to be what I call regulated, right? And so we're going through childhood, our childhood as impasse, being in a more dysregulated state because we're feeling all of what's going on around us more than other people, getting maybe the same amount of touch and nurture and time that other people are. But for us and our systems, it's not enough in order to feel completely safe and secure, uh, even within our bodies. And so from there, these imbalances start to happen in our nervous system and then develop later on, decades later, in the autoimmune and a lot of digestive issues. Like I think that the the gut is one major place that highly sensitive people feel a lot of their emotions and a lot of their emotions get stored. So yeah, we come to this idea of all of these life experiences and being stored because we're we're trying to shut that down before you know, we come to a place where we understand it and can use it as a gift until then we really are trying to stuff things down and stop that natural response that our body has to a a more emotional experience. So let's talk about how to actually build people's capacity. You talked to, you used this word before threshold, which I love that word. Let's give some tools to the audience for how to actually build their threshold if they are a highly sensitive person. 
Yeah. Um, great. I think you and I talked about this uh, right before you know we started this interview, but you know, I think one of the things to consider the first step is to look at what is going to move the needle most for that individual. One of the things that I think you and I are passionate about is like somatic body work, because that doesn't require you to put more force and will and intention and, you know, organization into your healing. It really just asks you to show up, show up wherever you are. If you're in pain, if you're having a bad day, if you're crying, it's usually when you're working with professionals in this world, you lay on the table or, you know, whatever that modality is, and you receive some care and you receive some healing. And that can start to balance that polarity of the yin yang energy that I was referring to. Mm-hmm. And that allows people to regain some of their vitality to get a little bit, like you said, closer to homeostasis. So then they can consider okay, would it be helpful if I change some way that I'm eating or my sleep patterns? Um, But when someone's already in that such a depleted, maybe even hopeless state, um, and they're in a lot of pain, they're feeling a lot of symptoms. I really prefer to start with yin medicine, which includes body work, which might include some energy medicine. um, Mm -hmm. If the person isn't too overwhelmed, even some talk, tools or communication tools where we start processing things like mindset and Mm -hmm. um, belief systems and processing stuff that way. So that that we can shift out of the overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. One of, you know, things at home they can do by themselves on each, like on each side of that with the young stuff, they can start making things like slight um, sleep pattern changes uh, changes Mm -hmm. where they try to go to bed half an hour earlier every night. And that'll start shifting their physiology, you know, um, without doing like intense lab testing or intense protocols. Um, or also just think about, you know, choosing a side salad instead of a fries, just because generally it's going to help with inflammation. Mm -hmm. So those are simple things people can do to balance their physiology that way. And with the yin stuff, like um, simple things people can do too, is like the breath work meditation um, and even just laying and scan, like doing body scan and feeling your own body internally. Even if you're not working with a practitioner who's doing hands-on somatic therapy, just laying and doing, you know, that progressive body scan where you lay. Yeah. There's some great meditations that will guide you through that. Yeah. If, if you're listening to this, me, like, I have no idea what that is yeah. and I'm lost. There yeah, are, so it's just, there's lots of resources. Yeah. So you can find even on YouTube or whatnot, but yep. even just if, you know, unguided, you lay there right. in bed and you tune into your body and you start to see, where do I feel you know, pain, where do I feel comfort? Where do I feel neutral? Just starting to identify those things, start changing our somatic maps in our mind and bringing awareness to them. So there's a lot that people can do. I think that it's so exciting. There is a lot. And I find that people feel lost sometimes because there is so much Mm -hmm. and they don't know where to start and they really do need that map, right? They really need to start with what will move the dial the most for them. Exactly. And once they start to really experience the shifts and come out of the overwhelm, then that's when they're going to be able to gain so much more ground. Because as long as a person is in overwhelm, their body is literally in an energy conservation state. And so as long as the body is prioritizing energy and delegating 
the amount of energy that it has every day, it's not going to be wanting to send energy to something that does not feel that it is absolutely essential. And so we really need to focus on for you, for your body, for where it's at currently, what are the things, the few things that will make the most difference right away for shifting your nervous system out of that state of overwhelm so that naturally your body will have more energy to then be able to delegate to these other things. And sometimes even the talk therapy for some people, that's an amazing place to start. And for some people that is not the right place to start for some people, even just listening to their body is like, whoa, overwhelming. Like I I don't like my pain. I don't like this about my body. And so actually tuning in maybe overwhelming, right? Everybody is so different, but the point that Dr. Natasha is making is like, you've got to figure out those things that will make the most difference for you right away Mm -hmm. to shift your system out of overwhelm. Cause then we can bring in all the other pieces because they're all important. All of the pieces are important and there's the biology piece and identifying internally, what are the things that are making you more sensitive? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then on the therapy and the trauma side of things, what are those things that are keeping your nervous system in a very sensitive, um, very intuitive, very kind of even on guard, always looking for threat and danger? What are those things on that side of things that that do need to be addressed? Because until you address both of those, you're going to still experience your sensitivity as uh, as a, as a crutch, as an obstacle, as a challenge in your life, rather than the gift and the superpower that it can be. Right. Definitely. From that place, not from the place of a doctor, but from somebody who has been at rock bottom, I know that there are times and there are, you know, errors in people's life where they really feel completely hopeless. Like there, there's nothing more for them. Um, and, you know, I just, I really always encourage people to ask why they got where they were and why they're feeling what they're feeling and never give up on looking for an alternative. Because even if what they're aware of or what is in front of them, um, you know, it might not be the best match for them. So just continuing to have that hope and that faith that there is a reason, there is a root cause, and they just need to be matched with the right tools or the right help, the right support team to get them through that difficult period of rock bottom. I love it. Yes. What a great, what a great hope that there is, especially when you've been through the journey yourself, you're speaking from personal experience and, and that there, there is that, you know, encouragement to strive for better. Don't settle that, that this is going to be your health for the rest of your life. Don't settle, keep striving for, for what is better. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Very much appreciate you and your work and what you do for people in helping, helping us find that superpower of being empaths. Thank you so much for having me. Are you ready to build your capacity? Are you looking for that roadmap? For you or someone you know, perhaps that will guide you step-by-step on how to shift your system out of overwhelm, out of the trauma response, start to understand why you are experiencing the sensitivities that you are. I invite you to the 21 day journey. This is the trauma tools. This is not stress management. 
This is where I will guide you through that process, the essential sequence to addressing stored trauma in the body and doing it in a safe way, because you need to become the expert on your system. You can learn and you need to learn how to shift it out of overwhelm and get your physical health in a different place. I'm still so excited to look at the data for this 21 day journey and people experiencing the 26% decrease in daily physical pain, 30% decrease in sleep issues, fatigue issues, GI issues. This is the stuff that will change your biology because it's the root of overwhelm and we have tools for that. Thank you for joining me for this episode and I will see you on the next one. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love. 